Hi, friend. It's Brittany Moses and Ranella Kalagithi, and you're listening to Speaking Our Minds, the podcast that brings you honest and nuanced conversations around mental health, holistic wellness, and the real complexities of what it means to be human in the challenges of today's world, where we have fun, fascinating, and meaningful discussions around how to live a more insightful, connected, and whole life from the inside out. Joined by guest professionals, thought leaders, and some of my friends and those with lived experience. As always, we ask that you keep in mind that the views and opinions shared here are respectively held by each individual and is not a substitute for professional care or an alternative to seeking personal help from your clinician or provider and is ours to discern. We're so glad you're here. Follow the conversation on Instagram at Speaking Our Minds Pod and sit with us because we're diving in. This podcast episode is brought to you by WeShare by UHSM, a unique healthcare membership on a mission to create holistic wellness for the mind, body, and spirit. I'm honored to partner with UHSM and its community of faithful members. Together, we plan to create more awareness and programs around mental health and the role it plays in our overall balanced health. If you or someone you know is frustrated with their current health care, I encourage you to inquire about membership options at www.weshare.org or call 1-800-900-8476. Hi, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Speaking Our Minds podcast. This is Brittany and Ranella, and we are so glad that you decided to spend your time here with us today. It is Thanksgiving week. I'm just looking forward to food. Oh, lots of good food, (laughs) lots of activity and family. Like we talked about in our last episode, emotions can go up and down. It can be a complex time, but at the same time, um, one of the things that we really wanted to touch on was this aspect of food and our food story, how we relate to it. Food is what sustains our lives. Literally. I mean, it also, if you're a foodie, you know how much joy food gives you too. And sometimes there can also be wrapped up some stories and narratives of shame and um, other things that come along with it, especially, you know, not not just women, but especially for women. During this time, you know, everyone's trying to reach their goals for the end of the year, which that's like a whole other thing. And we just want to have a conversation that's more nuanced. Let's just talk about it. About food. And maybe you can uh, introduce our wonderful guest. Yes. I had to bring on my friend, Elise Muselas, because she talks all about this, all about like your food story. And she's been doing such amazing work. She's a certified eating psychology and nutrition expert, which I think the idea of eating psychology is so interesting. And she's the creator of Food Story Method and has a platform and host of the popular podcast, Once Upon a Food Story. And as an author, speaker, and mind-body eating coach, Elisa's mission is to empower people to create a healthier relationship with food and their bodies by changing what's on their plate and what's in their minds. And so she came out with her recent book, Food Story, Rewind, (laughs) we white (laughs) rewrite the way you eat think and live and all of that just sounds so cool to me I've been dying to have her on the podcast Elise thank you so much for joining us today how are you thank you so much for having me here I love the work that both of you are doing and how you really get into the mindset around all of these important topics so we're definitely on the same page and 
I love that you're timing it with the holidays because there's so much like it's joy and shame. You know, there could be such a mix of emotions around food and body and oh my all the stuff that comes up. So it's a great topic and oh. we will have a lot to talk about today. Totally. Like, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes also around the holidays when you're around family, family members may make comments about your body. Like for me, I've been really small my whole life. And um, it's just like, oh, do you eat anything? You know, even things like that. And, and sometimes around the holidays, it can bring messaging back to you about your body. And also maybe you're feeling like, oh my gosh, I don't want to overeat for the holidays. But I'm like, it's literally the holidays. That's when you eat, <laughs> you know, but there's mixed feelings. And so, you know, I'm glad we're talking about this in light of Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving week. Um, first of all, Elise, can you tell us just a little bit from your own perspective about what led you even into this work? Because I know you made a career shift um, into yeah. this work that's really fascinating. I was going to ask you if you knew that I used to practice law yeah. and that I say that the the common ground is I practice immigration law. So I like to help people, you know, help people oh. feel better, create better circumstances. And with the immigration law, I was always on the side of trying to bring families together, oh. you know, like what and connecting, you know, connecting people to their families and creating new lives here in the States. So I ended up switching total pivot um, after my kids were born. I took a little time off and I was like, this is really what I'm passionate about. This is really like, you know, we go through things in our own life and then we're meant to help teach and help others heal. And so I had my own food story that had, you know, challenges, I'll say. And um, now I love the work that I'm doing. I feel like, you know, there are so many people helping others with what to eat. And that's yeah. very important, you know, and we all like to have ideas and mix it up and be creative. But the real like deep rooted, deep seated issues that so many of us have around food really isn't related to the what to eat. It's a lot of the why we're eating mm -hmm. or how we're eating. And that's where I like to come in. And so I um, have been doing this work. I got certified first as a holistic health coach and I loved that work, but I felt like there was something way deeper. And mm -hmm. then I ended up doing the eating psychology certification. And that's really been the basis of the way that I share my message and work with people and um, talk to people on the podcast. And I can't wait to have you two on yes. sharing your food story also. <laughs> Ooh, oh my God. I know. I but need to reflect on my food story a little that. bit more. Uh, and, and and while we're on that topic, can you just tell us like, what does it mean when you say someone's food story? Yeah, what is what food exactly story? is that? That's a really good question. So it goes back for me to like 2012. I was working with a lot of clients and I'd say, tell me about your relationship with food. Mm. And most of the people would be like, oh no. You know, and I get the very clipped responses like, let's not go there or it's complicated. And when you say your relationship with food, most of the time you think of you and food, right? And it's almost a dead end and it isn't dynamic. But really, when we think about food, there's so many in the way that we relate to food, there's so many things that go into it. You know, it's how you were born, your culture, you know, what your who presumably your parents, you know, like what they, how they related to food, talked about food, shared food with you, the messages that you received growing up. And, you know, that includes messages that aren't always so positive from media and diet culture. I mean, we're not free from that still. 
And um, there's villains, you know, there's heroes. And Mm -hmm. most importantly, there's different chapters in your food story. So I felt like asking people about their food story was really freeing because if you think about the different chapters, it means you're not stuck, that you can change, you know, you can turn the page, you can write something new. And when I would ask clients, tell me about your food story, they're like, huh, I never really thought about my food story. And it just opened up so much more to the conversation. And they felt less shame around it. And so it stuck. And that's really my platform, the book, the podcast, and the way that I like to think about my own food story too. You know, I've had even recently, like some chapters that were different, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that they're forever. They're just a chapter, a season. I so. I love that. I really love, honestly, any work that dives into kind of the subconscious narratives that are operating in our lives that we don't realize are operating there. And it's really not until you have someone like yourself who prompts this question of like, what is your story? Like, what is this part of your story? What is your relationship to this thing in your life based on the narratives that you've received and haven't realized are running kind of the show behind your choices, your motivations, your self-perception. Um, and so I, I think I'm wondering like how, because I'm even thinking for myself, like I want to go home and like journal, like what is my food story? How does someone begin to identify their food story? Are there any like prompts or questions that can help lead them in that direction of trying to figure that out? Obviously your book is a great guide for that, but yeah, just kind of off the bat, what are some things that can identify? Yeah, I mean, it's such a a vast conversation, because if you think about it, you're born into a food story, Mm -hmm. right? And so your food story covers, like all the meals, everything that you've had, your likes, your dislikes, and you know, just the, the holidays, you know, we're talking about Thanksgiving right now, that when you go into this Thanksgiving, or if you've already had Thanksgiving, and you're listening there are, there are things that come up, you know, that you like, it could be trauma, it could be, you know, joy, it could be a lot of different things, you still will feel your body remembers how you were. So to start, I usually ask people to think about a major theme, because you have to start somewhere. I mean, it's just, so what is a theme? And usually, people want to think about something they want to change, right? You know, because if everything is like, just great and and you know you don't recognize or feel like you have any concerns or issues then it might be harder to identify a theme or you don't want to you know you don't have that mindset of wanting to improve or work on it so i ask people to identify a theme a challenge something that they can have had for a while and then when did it start because usually that will give you a lot of signs about your story oftentimes like i'll find that people will have a behavior or a habit that they'd like to change. And it started because of something else that really has nothing to do with the food. It could be a big move. You know, when you were a kid, you were bullied on the bus, um, some sort of life change, hormones or illness, you know, a parent getting divorced, you know, a lot of those things we end up end up showing up in the way that we relate to food. And so our food story, these themes that pop up really aren't even about the food itself. It's really interesting work. And so, you know, just asking yourself the question, what are some major themes? And do I start again every Monday? Am I an all or nothing? Do I feel so confused by the messages that I just give up or right. that I feel like, 
maybe I'm not doing the right thing and I'm overthinking everything. So there's like, there are some common themes actually in um, chapter two of my book, I identify eight of them. And it doesn't mean, and some people relate to a bunch of them, you know, that they've showed up at different times. Are you, for me, I was always looking for perfection. Yeah. Like the perfect diet, you know, the, and trying to have the perfect body. I don't have that theme anymore, but it was really, really prominent in my food story for a long time and created a lot of mental anguish because I was, you, you we all know perfection doesn't exist and that I was just chasing, chasing it, you know, like chasing to find that. And of course, you're never going to find it. And, you know, it just causes so much um, angst and creates a really unhealthy relationship with yourself because you're always disappointing yourself for these like high standards that you'll never achieve. So that was my theme. Can you guys think of what your themes were in your food oh, story? Well, I was just thinking while you're talking about <laughs> yeah, this, same. I'm thinking no one's ever asked me. I've never thought specifically about my food story. No one's ever asked me about it. And therefore there are so many layers as you're talking that are literally going through my mind right now that I haven't brought up into my into my consciousness like ever, <laughs> like just yeah. even in the last few minutes. And so I, I love this. And I also love that you said that there are chapters in your story because that allows things to not be so concrete and so permanent yeah. in the type of way you tell your story about yourself. They're not so personalized because just to give you a little idea of my food story or my theme, I think mine has been perfection. Mm. I spent pretty much since I was 15 years old, I went on a extremely strict vegan diet before it was trendy. So this was back in 2005 when all we had was soy milk. <laughs> there was no mm -hmm. almond milk or anything, but I was really strict and it had to do with a religious belief um, about my body and, and how God related to me. And so I was very perfectionistic in my food story as I was in my religion. And, um, you know, to the point where I didn't mind, uh, you know, socially, I, I didn't mind offending people, even in my culture. I was very strict. And um, yeah, and that continued on as I went, you know, I would do six months with absolutely no sugar, um, no refined sugar. I would do one month of completely raw. I did six months, six months of, um, or sorry, six weeks of gluten-free. Um, or I would do one time I did no oil, no sugar, no salt, which I don't know if that's even did you eat air? healthy. <laughs> yeah. Like what did I eat? Ice yeah. cubes. Um, Ice so cubes. yeah, when you say perfection and, and I would love to um, later on have a deeper conversation mm -hmm. about this because I'm fascinated right now. But yeah, that's been my theme. Wow. I, I, I'll, I'll, I would that. love to share how I got past the perfection after, but Brittany, what comes up for you? Oh, I'm just, I, what stuck out to me was the idea of chapters because that's what I have realized throughout my life is that my relationship with food and my body has just changed from like season to season. Like, let me tell you, my pandemic chapter is very different. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was my Ben and Jerry's chapter. It was my <laughs> eat everything in sight chapter. And I gained a lot of weight, like in my face. Um, even just looking back at my content, like especially as like a content creator, I'm like, oh. But, um, you know, and then 
I had my wedding maybe like the following year and I felt like, oh, I need to lose all this weight before my wedding. And so, I mean, there's that chapter. Then there was a chapter where I was dealing with so much anxiety. I was working out a lot. I got really skinny. I mean, almost around like a hundred pounds. And it was actually a manifestation of I was not healthy on the inside and that was manifesting on the outside. And I didn't really have much of an appetite. And so then from there, I decided to like get a fitness trainer and work on my fitness. And then I got into that mode of like following all the fitness influencers and not, and then do like balancing having a caloric surplus versus a caloric deficit. And then I'm counting my calories. I'm tracking it on the MyFitnessPal app. And I was just very like calculated and strategic about food and my goals. And it almost became mechanical. And it was actually like less about enjoying food and enjoying my body and more about like reaching this goal. And I think there are maybe spurts in time where maybe you have a little goal, you know, but it's just looked so different from like season to season. And I think now I'm so grateful that I got to a place where looking back, I was like, my body has changed over the course of the years, over the course of time, it's probably going to continue changing. (laughs) And so I'm kind of learning to just enjoy my body and what it does for me in every season. And I've kind of accepted that it's going to change from season to season. Um, And I actually just went through some gut health issues to where I actually had to change my diet in order to heal my gut. And actually, it just made me appreciate food so much more now that I can start eating again. Um, But yeah, that's so far, I guess, what my food story has been. It's just been constant change and shifting and adjusting. And so, yeah, learning to find that acceptance through all the nuance of change. Yeah. And I also feel like if we look at instead of saying, oh, I can't believe I was like that or I struggled with that, that if we look at it like, what did that teach me? You know, that if if everything is a yeah. lesson and a, and a growth in a certain direction, even if it's like a setback, there's still lessons to be learned. And when we do that, that's definitely a way to feel less shameful about whatever it is that you're doing. But something that both of you said, you know, as you were describing the chapters, made me think of what I say all the time. It's I, I end a lot of my conversations or, or talk like, you know, sentences rather with right now, Mm. because I feel like that is so freeing. And if you're connected to your body, if you're connected, what's going on, like in the environment and the season, because I mean, I could just tell you, I eat different things in the summer, most people do than in the winter, right? Right. You know, or the colder months. Yeah. Yeah. And so I always say right now, because then it helps me feel like I'm doing the best thing for the present moment. And it's not like, you know, putting me in a box or like, I have to always be like this, because that's where a lot of our limiting beliefs come from. We're like, okay, I do this, this is who I am. But this is who I am right now feels a little more flexible and right connected. How does that sound for the holidays? Like if you were to give kind of like a prompt for like going into the holidays, how to use that framework? with the, the right now. Well, I mean, the holidays are so different, you know, it's yeah. such a, it's one time a year. And I always feel like it's like the season of and which I think we talked about right at the beginning, it's joyful and stressful, you know, yeah. I mean, it just is, you know, whether people have food stress, they're overwhelmed because of their schedule, they're triggered by those conversations you mentioned, mm. you know, that there's so there's a lot that can be really stressful, right. But I feel like 
right if you take the right now like this is only one time a year and you don't get to do over yeah the holidays for 2023 this is your halt this is it and you know i really started to appreciate my i, I know you know this already but um my dad passed away mm, in right. um april and mm. i remember last thanksgiving he said like i don't think i'll be here next year mm. you know and so this is like wow. my first thanksgiving without my dad. And so it's a totally different Thanksgiving, but it made me really appreciate last Thanksgiving, you know what I'm saying? And so, so I feel like, and then even though it'll be sad without him, I'm, I'm glad that I was able to think I'm going to make the most of this Thanksgiving. So like nothing is ever guaranteed. And I, I just think that the holidays can be challenging, but there's also magic in them. And that mm. if you can look for the magic, you'll find the magic, you know, even though it's going to be like, for me, it'll be hard that his chair will be empty, but there's other things that are going to be magical about the holidays. So if we can adopt that mindset of looking for the magic, we'll find it, you know, and it's with anything. And that doesn't mean you should push your feelings down and not be upset um, or emotional it's all okay, you know, but, but I'm just saying that instead, if we tell ourselves the holidays are really hard, they're going to be really challenging, they're this and that, then that's probably what's going to happen. You know, but if you could try to think about what you want them to be and figure out small ways that you can make it more like that, then I think that's what will happen, even if it's mixed in with the challenges. And I'm just Brittany to um, talk about what you mentioned, the like, triggering conversations. Yes. It's always great to have like, think about those ahead of time. Because if you get stuck, right, like, you know, let's just say your aunt, I'm making that up, you know, but is going to comment. So what can you do? First of all, it's probably her issue and not yours, Right. right? And then I think that when we realize it's not really my issue, that gives a little bit of freedom and like yes. less defensiveness, like, uh, here, you know, instead of what's wrong with me, it's really like what's going on with them, mm-hmm. you know? And then, and then just what is something you could say? Can you change the topic? Can you say, Oh my gosh, I'm doing what feels really good to me right now. Mm-hmm. You know, like, thank you, but I feel great or, yes. you know, or whatever, you know, like you could spin it positively. So, um, but being defensive, it doesn't really, you know, get you anywhere, even though you want to, you don't have to prove yourself. You don't have to explain your, why you're eating this or not eating this, you know, like even if you choose to have dessert and your mother like side eyes you, um, you know, just, you don't have to, you don't have to say, oh, well, I didn't eat all day. So I'm going to have dessert. Like, no, right. you don't owe anybody that explanation and you're choosing to have the dessert and you should enjoy the dessert. Right. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, take a bigger bite. (laughs) That's my Right. Exactly. (laughs) And and the other thing, this is going to sound like sort of random weird advice, but I'm a huge believer in balanced blood sugar. I'm sure you are too. But, but what I think most people don't realize about balancing your blood sugar is it puts you in such a better mental state. Mm -hmm. So it's not just like the physical that how it's so good for your body, you know, and, and could help with disease prevention, all of that. But if you're, if you like save up and don't eat and, you know, wait for the big meal and then walk in there hangry or like overly hungry, you are going to be so much more reactive. Okay. Also, you probably won't make the best choices for yourself. So just in terms of like 
your mental health, balancing your blood sugar all the time, meaning that you eat, you know, all the macronutrients and that you don't wait seven hours in between meals and, and save up, you know, to go walk into that buffet or, you know, I, I just, I think it is such a little tweak that we can do that can really change how we feel as we enter these more challenging situations, whether it's challenging from too much food around or it's challenging from the ant comment. Yeah. And what I love about what you're sharing is that it is, it's a little thing, but it's actually so big. It's nuanced. And you, you touched on kind of some cognitive distortions earlier, that all or nothing thinking, Mm -hmm. that perfectionism. And I think that sometimes we do get very overwhelmed when we think of food during the holidays so that it kind of freezes us and we go straight into that all or nothing thinking. And Mm -hmm. this is just one really great practical way of being able to give yourself a little bit more breathing room, a little bit of space to actually make decisions that are best for you and not based on how you want to please the people around you or prove something or show them anything. But we we were over here pointing at each other while you were talking because in a different episode, we were talking about how um, how important it is to like think about these things ahead of time mm-hmm. and, and maybe even mm-hmm. have conversations ahead of time if they are that strong. Um, but I love that because individuation is all about you knowing what you know, you accepting who you are. That starts with knowing your own food story and knowing mm-hmm. where you stand and where you're going. And mm-hmm. if someone else comes at you with their energy and their opinions and their yeah. ideas, you don't need to let that, that energy on. absorb into you. You can allow it to stop right there and say, hey, that's cool. Like, oh yeah, that's so funny. But actually I'm uh, I'm going to go get that piece of pie. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, you're so funny. Yeah. And I, so much, it's so hard though to not, especially like if you're a people pleaser or you're right. sensitive, you know, it is much easier said than done not to let it penetrate. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm sensitive and it bothers me, but I just keep thinking this isn't about you. This is about them. Right. And that is what you can actually have mantras, you know, and there's all the science behind mantras. I'm mm-hmm. a huge believer in them and your mantras yes. can change, you know, depending on the circumstances, but that could be a mantra. This isn't about me. This is about them. And you can repeat that quietly in your own mind. And it's so empowering, to, you know, yeah. to have things that you say to yourself like that. Yes. I mean, even like you said, and when you're having those conversations today, even being able to say conversations about my body are off topic this season. Like, I'm just letting you guys know now, conversations about my body are off topic. We are not talking about my body today. I mean, that I know everyone talks differently. My family's a little straight uh, forward, <laughs> you know, culturally. And so it's just like, yeah, conver- and that- conversations about my body are off topic this year. I'm just letting you know, I will not be engaging in conversations about my body. Thank you. Love y'all. Yeah, I love that cultural piece because the culture is super important too. You know, I come from an Asian family, so it's so normal, normal to walk in and, you know, everyone just like the very first thing that's commented on is, oh, you're, you're so sexy or you're so, you gained weight or you're, or like literally like, oh, you look so fat. What happened? Literally just like out, literally out there. It's so especially if you come from an Asian background or, you know, a background where kind of the, the Product. external mm-hmm. is, is talked about right at the beginning. You got to find that inner strength. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I actually want to shift a bit to, you know, you were talking about, we were talking about cognitive distortions and limiting beliefs. And I'm wondering, can you give some examples of some of the limiting beliefs that people commonly have around food? Oh my gosh, there's so many of them. Um, What just came to mind when you were asking is like, I've always been, you know, like I've always been like bad around food, you Mm -hmm. know, or I've always been, you know, or something about like your family's genes, you know, like that, like, well, this is the way that, you know, that my family is genetically like this. I don't even want to name what it is. And so I'll, I'll always be this way. So it's just, you're giving up before you can even start, but then there's like smaller limiting beliefs that you don't even know, like little things about carbs, you know, or just, you know, so I think so many people have stories around carbs and beliefs around carbs. And even, you know, like I'll have clients who have dieted for decades, right. And they'll still look at like carrots or grapes or bananas as like a brownie almost, you know, like, cause they at one point did something like in the nineties, like the Atkins diet. Do you even know mm, what the Atkins I diet, you know, is yeah. like, you know, that, and so they've had these beliefs for so long and that even when they, like, they might have put dates in their smoothies, but they won't touch a banana, you know, like they have this, story. I mean, that's a really like more um, superficial example, but there's really just deep beliefs that we all have about the way that we relate to food or what food does to us. And that's a big one. And and there's a million stories about what it does to us. I can't eat this because I'll swell or I'll get bloated or whatever the thing is that you believed your whole life. And I always try to get people to like, flip the script and look at what everything food can do for you. And that's a huge way to help with those limiting beliefs is to have a new lens to look at food. You know, I love this quote from your book where you say, I reminded myself of what food is really about. Connection, nourishment, energy, pleasure, and love. I thought about all the positive things that food could do for me and stopped worrying about what it would do to me. I began to view my body as an ally and food as my most nourishing friend. I rewrote my food story so that my inside aligned with my outside. The conversation in my head was as supportive as the foods on my plate. And I thought that was... Right, like such a beautiful quote, and just I just wanted to add that on to what you just said because it was one of the things that stood out to me, you know. And I think it is so easy to get disconnected from ourselves and food, and especially in a fast-paced world, you know. You've talked kind of a little bit about like intuitive eating, which is actually more of kind of what I personally practice, which is this idea of slowing down and Mm -hmm. listening to our bodies and. Things like I had to get reconnected to my hunger cues because speaking of Mm -hmm. cultural messaging, a lot of um, times if you grew up um, in certain cultures, it's like you need to eat everything on your plate, you know, or talk about like there are kids starving that wish they had food or there's this, there's a survival mentality around food. And I remember Mm -hmm. there were times where it's like, you don't eat all your food, but it's like, I'm not hungry anymore. Like now I'm being told to go against my own body bodily yes. messages and hunger cues and so then it's like you're no longer connected to just what your body is telling you so there are ways that we might have gotten food stories or narratives that have disconnected us from just paying attention to our body so now i've learned like eat when you're hungry stop when you're full 
If you need a snack, eat a snack when you feel like having a snack. Stop. You don't have to eat the whole thing. You know, it drives my husband crazy because I do have a ton of leftovers in the fridge. Um, But yeah, I, I just wanted to talk about like, how can we begin to listen to our bodies and start hearing that voice inside of us again when it comes to well, food. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I just want to respond to that. I call it the clean plate club. Okay, and yes. so many of us were a part of it, yes. you know, and and mm-hmm. and the food was being like the starving kids in whatever country your parents yes, chose yes. To, yes. to tell you about. And it does, it disconnects you from your body. And, and that's another sort of like limiting belief too, is that I have to finish all the food on your plate. Or sometimes we had parents who would say, you can't have dessert until you finish the food on your plate. And then that makes the dessert the coveted item. So these are all like limiting beliefs and parts of the narrative that you grew up with. And it's not, I always like to say this, it's not that our parents or whoever our caregivers were like had bad intentions. They were doing the best they could with the knowledge they had then. I'm sure that- And they were probably told that. Exactly. And it, it has to change it. Well, you I've seen you talk about like ancestral trauma or whatever, you know, like we have to, we have to change the story at some point. So you asked me about being connected to your body. And I wanted to also go back to something that we were talking about with the perfectionism, because it's really related. So so much mm. of what happens is what we think about, you know, our thoughts really influence our relationship and how we relate to food. And I learned something when I got certified in eating psychology and it was so novel back in 2012 and it's a little bit more in the mainstream consciousness now, but our thoughts actually can create a physiological response in our body. Yeah. So Mm. what I mean by that is if you're saying I can't eat this and you're labeling it or you're like, you have rules around it or, you know, some negative self-talk and, we all have that, you know, guilt, anything, you're creating stress in your body, those thoughts, and it doesn't matter whether they're true or not. So it's like, if you bring it back to like, if you're being chased by the tiger, or you think you're being chased by the tiger, it doesn't actually matter. Because if you think you're getting chased by the tiger, you're still like your heart rate's going to elevate, you're gonna be scared, you know. So if you think these stressful thoughts about food, even if they're not true, they're not going to happen, it's still going to have that same sort of physiological stress response. And so what I mean by that is that your cortisol levels go up. And with that, just in a nutshell, your metabolism doesn't work as efficiently, that you don't assimilate your nutrients as well, your digestion goes offline. And all of that happens, you know, from thinking stressful thoughts, and also you don't um, get as much pleasure from your meal. Mm. So that's where that quote that you read, um, Brittany, was about my insides, like my outsides matching my insides. So I was still eating the kale and the green smoothies and like all the gorgeous, beautiful, you know, colorful food, you know, and balancing my plate, all of that. But I was striving for perfection, Mm -hmm. even if my perfectionism around food had different iterations. And that was creating the stress response. So that's where that whole quote comes from. And I just wanted to reference that so people understood the context. So really getting back into your body, just by identifying how food makes you feel, what your thoughts are, you're doing things to really connect to how you are thinking about your food story. That's another way. 
But if you're doing things on autopilot or you're too busy listening to the next influencer or even the wonderful like doctors that we have out there, it's taking you out of your body and not, you know, having you listen to your own cues. Like you mentioned, Brittany, that you forgot what your hunger cues even felt like. And so slowing down is huge, but just also acknowledging that there's a lot of noise out there and that you, you know, if you identify where the noise is coming from, it may not be serving you that well. Right. So really asking yourself, how does this make me feel doing things like going in nature and calming your mind, getting on your yoga mat or doing some sort of movement that feels really connected to your body that will help you to notice whether you even enjoyed your meal. Like, cause maybe you told yourself, I love this because you, the influencer told you that you have to eat whatever it, the yeah. next superfood is, but you actually don't even really like it, right. even though it's good for you. Right. And so it's really about just it, like, considering your own opinion valuable Mm because our bodies are talking to us all day long, but we're all too busy. We're on autopilot. You know, we don't really hear the messages. So listening, slowing down, like you mentioned, and, and just saying, you know what, whatever is going on here and whatever my voice is saying, it's pretty important. And it's just as if not more than the, you know, well-researched information that I'm hearing about. Oh, that is such good advice because that's not only, you know, food is just so holistic. It encompasses our whole lives. And so when we stop to listen to our bodies Mm -hmm. in the most fundamental way, we are being human and we are stopping to be present in the moment. And that's the highest form of self-care, the highest form of being able to um, just acknowledge that we are valuable and worthy of being listened to and of being taken care of through through food. So this has just yeah. been so beautiful. I also encourage everyone who's listening to look more into mindful eating. It's also something Elise talks about. Yeah. She actually has a chocolate meditation <gasps> in her book, I which is so you. fascinating about just connecting with your food and being mindful about how it tastes, how it feels in your body, what you're feeling in that moment. And so um, a mindful eating practice is also something to consider tapping into to reconnect with your body. So I think just in closing, Elise, what encourages what kind of last encouragement might you have for someone who feels stressed around this season, especially if they feel like they have a lot to cook and prepare on top of everything else? If you just had like one thing to share or say. Hmm. I have a lot to say. So yeah. I think I'm going to, I'm going to say that, and, and this might be really obvious, but to make sure you're doing all the things that you know make you feel good. And even if you have Mm -hmm. to do an abbreviated version of your movement or, you know, your time in sunlight getting enough, well, I wouldn't say abbreviated version, you know, all the basics that we think we, we need these really complicated formulas to feel good. But what it really boils down to is getting those foundations in place. And when you do, you just make better choices. So we talked about blood sugar, We talked, I mean, we didn't talk about hydration, but hydration is something we're all kind of walk around. Many of us walk around slightly dehydrated and that can affect stress levels, believe it or not, because your cortisol spikes when you're not fully hydrated. Mm -hmm. Sleep is such a superfood. So just making sure your foundations are all in place and it's going to put you in such a better mental state to make the decisions, to even entertain with ease. And, you know, when you don't sleep, when you don't, eat properly, like everything feels like a much more monumental problem or issue (laughs) or challenge than it really is, right? You're hangry. If you're, 
<laughs> yeah. If you're doing all the things that make you feel good in the time constraints that you have, then I just, I think it, it, it doesn't mean that everything's smooth sailing. You won't feel the heightened emotions, but it just means you're going to be better equipped to deal with whatever comes your way. So oh, I hope so everyone can find the magic and joy in this season, even if Wonderful. it's hard, you know, we can yeah. feel both. I Lastly, guys, what's your favorite Thanksgiving dish? Oh, well, my mom makes um, a, a a fake chicken recipe from Sam's Chicken. Oh, fake chicken? Yeah. <laughs> Out of these like chickettes. It's random, but I love that. Love and it. I make my own homemade like mashed potatoes that I love. So sweet. <laughs> what about you, Ooh. Elise? <laughs> I, well, I'm always, even when I'm not cooking, I always bring like some sort of vegetables or plants, you know, just because I want to make sure that we have that. Yeah. It doesn't mean you can't eat the, you know, starchy or whatever sweets or whatever it is that appeals to you. But I do like having, you know, the greens or, mm -hmm. um, you know, something that feels like fresh and whatever I can get at the farmer's market. You know, I'm a huge farmer's market fan. Yes, so she is. Her Instagram <laughs> is all like, I love seeing your farmer's market trips. And I always appreciate the family member who brings greens because I'm like, oh yeah, we need those. Um, my favorite dish is my cousin always makes this like cheesy corn dish with Ritz crackers that I really love. I also love the ham and the yams. Like I think anything that's kind of sweet. Oh yeah. So sweet potatoes too. Oh, oh my gosh, I'm such oh a, my that's my yes. favorite food and they're yes. such a mood booster. Yes. So I mean, we can find all sorts of different ways to make sweet potatoes, but they have to be on my table way more than the potatoes. Yeah, I, love, I that. love that. Oh, thank you so much for coming on and sharing this incredible wisdom, your story, yeah. your experience. I cannot wait to get your book too. I highly recommend. Yes. I, it has, this has me thinking a lot. And Elise, where can the people find your book, follow you and follow along with all the work that you're doing? Okay. Thanks for asking. And thank you so much for having me though. I, I love your dynamic and you're both so articulate and oh. open about your own food story. So it's just been really a pleasure to connect with you here. I am, I have my website, which is my name, elisemucellus.com. And then I'm on social media, mostly Instagram right now. Um, it's my name, Elise Mucellus. And then I am also, um, my podcast. I love my podcast. Yes. You mentioned my, my podcast is called Once Upon a Food Story and you two are going to be guests coming up pretty Cannot soon. Wait. <laughs> and then my book is Food Story. You can find that wherever books are sold. And then I also have this bundle that I recently created mm -hmm. and you can find it on my website. It's called the Food Mood Bundle. Mm -hmm. It's really an extension of the conversation that we had here, just using food in a way of thinking about how everything it could do for you. So thank you so much. It's just been great to be here. And um, I hope that I can connect with some of your audience. Too. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you, Elise. We will definitely include all of those links in the show notes. And she also gives a lot of great recipes as well. So definitely follow along with her. We hope this conversation has been helpful to you. And happy Thanksgiving. And we hope you're able to make the most of your time. Thank you, Elise, again. Thanks, guys, for listening. Until next time. Hey, if you enjoyed today's episode, let's continue the conversation and stay connected on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube, all linked in the show notes below. Let us know your thoughts or leave a review on the podcast. Your feedback really does mean so much to us. Until next time.